What's up, movie fans and Netflix bingers? This is the Bros Who Binge podcast. We're at episode 70. We got the other half. Uh, if, you have, if you checked out 69.5, where we reviewed the Rise of Skywalker and The Mandalorian and also talked about the Tenet trailer. So we're not going to talk too much about all of that today. We want to encourage you to go and listen back to those reviews. Um, and that was Mandalorian Chapter 7, by the way. And uh, in this episode, we're going to focus on Chapter 8. We're going to mention Rise of Skywalker a little bit. There's some things I want to talk about up top. But I really encourage you to go check out Episode 69.5 if you want to hear our thoughts on our full thoughts on The Rise of Skywalker, Mandalorian Chapter 7, and the Tenet trailer. But this, my name is Adam Schubert. As always, I'm joined by Lyndon Burton. Lyndon, how are you doing? It's the bros who binge awards. Better than the Oscars and the Emmys, too. Doing well, my brother. How are you doing? Glad to be back. And look, ladies and gents, might as well tell you at the top of this show, the release schedule has changed. Me and, as much as me and Schubert bitched and everything about Tuesday, we came together and we determined because we both liked it that, and I feel like you guys liked it better, that Mondays is a better day to release. So you will now get the bros who binge every Monday. We're not going bi-weekly. We're not stopping, but just every Monday you're going to get something. And if something drops later in the week, we'll do a seat of special 0.5. So some weeks you could get two pods, but Shuby, I feel like this Monday release schedule is doing well. Also, Merry Christmas to you. We're after Christmas. Our vacation is over. Back to work. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody listening. Schubert, uh, how was your Christmas and how do you feel about us moving to Mondays? Yeah, happy holidays to all those who celebrate whatever. And yeah, happy um, holidays. And uh, yeah, uh, it was a good Christmas, man. I work in most of it, so you know, definitely still just focused on um, doing doing work. I've been really do- dove in on catching into catching up to some shows. So yeah, I've mm. started watching The Witcher. Um, I've been watching You season two, which I'm going to mention later on. Uh, watching a lot of Star Wars, trying to gather thoughts and, you know, listening to other people's opinions and, you know, trying to figure out, you know, wh- where we stand at this point, what's the future, just, you know, and then, and then on the other side of things, doing a lot of sports stuff too. So it's been a pretty busy Christmas for me. I, it's all, and for me, I'm not that big a Christmas person, as I've said before. So it's, Christmas is just business as usual for me. See, yeah, I was I, I needed the vacation. It was nice to not have to edit anything for a couple days, but I did still work in the sense of getting the set together for the anime talk uh live show with you guys. The anime talk awards you can check out on Tuesday. By the time you guys are hearing this, it'll be out on Tuesday. Getting anime talk its first sponsor, working on this show's first sponsor. So I did a lot of work. Like you said, watched I watched The Witcher, but Excited that you, that now we have an official schedule for this show once again. You guys won't have to wonder, are they dropping on Tuesday? Are they dropping on Friday? Every Monday, you will be able to get the bros who binge in the morning. So be on the lookout every Monday from now on. I'm excited for that. But yeah, Shuby, man, glad to be back, though. Really mm-hmm. excited to talk movies. We were going to yeah. talk 1917, but that doesn't get a, a full theatrical release until January 10th. I did watch Uncut Gems, and I'll talk a little bit about that later, though. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, like Lyndon sung, we're going to do our Bros Who Binge Awards. We're going to talk about some things that uh, were the best of the year and then the yep. best of the decade since we are at the end of the 2010s. Yes, going sir. into the roaring 20s. Glad it's I'll get to live in the roaring 20s. Who binge awards. Yeah, man, the roaring 20s. I'm excited. So, this is definitely the last show of the year. You know, of course, we got some news. We're going to talk Mandalorian 8. 
and uh um, finale yeah the finale so yeah, definitely a lot to get into both watched so yeah not all of it and of course you know i'm big into the no netflix spoilers until a few weeks thing so but you know, we we'll, t- we'll talk or- about yeah i definitely want to you know at least talk about that first half uh probably leading up to the last episode you saw yeah, well, me and you are on the penultimate episode, so yes. So we were we got two episodes left, nothing crazy. But yes, you be whenever you're ready, man. I'm ready to get into this pod. All right, to the hyperdrive music or just the hyperdrive sound effects. Sorry, because we're gonna jump right into some more songs. All right, so Rise of Skywalker. Everyone's got their opinions there's a lot of people who don't like it a lot of people do like it it's another divisive film i'd say a little less divisive than the last jedi in my opinion i think that yeah. there's a little bit more on leaning towards i enjoyed it enough and more and less that are more just uh, i call them the highbrow fans they're like this wasn't highbrow enough for me well i'm it's sorry mostly, it wasn't highbrow enough for you to me it's i see mostly a criticism of kathleen kennedy not making it a, a cohesive trilogy uh, I, I see people saying J.J. did the best he could. I see a lot of more Last Jedi bashing. But for the most part, yeah, like you said, there's been highbrow people that don't like this movie. And, of course, I I get their complaints. But for the most part, it's been people like me and you where we had fun with the film. Sure. Um, I got to watch a really interesting video about some Reddit posts that came in from a, like, a Lucasfilm Insider that kind of gave a little bit of the background. So that's kind of what I wanted to go into with this. And up top, I wanted to talk about the Rose Tico stuff. I talked while I was in a Twitter conversation with Hector Navarro. We went, you know, uh, he was talking about Rose Tico and her misrepresentation in the film. And I said that I, and how he, he thought that she should get a series. Uh, you know, I, Jesus. You know, I think there is actually John Chu. Not the John Chu that's supposed to do, um, but the John Chu that directed Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, not John Chu. Yeah, not John Chu. But um, he wants to do a Rose Tico for Disney Plus. He already vocalized that. Um, So I suggested to him that the only Rose Tico that I would want to see is if they kind of explored the prequel of Eight with her and her sister. I'd kind of be interested in that if they were going to explore any Rose Tico. Um, but I personally don't think that Nine would have benefited from more Rose. Me neither. Like, this movie was already jam-packed enough. Like, there was no need for her. And I get everybody like, oh, well, we we, we added this diverse character and we're pushing to the side. But this character, in my opinion, and I, and look, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But in my opinion, I don't think she it was necessary for her to be in the movie. She didn't serve any major point she it, it, it detracted from Finn's story like I didn't need a Ro- and we don't need a Rose Tico series in my opinion I believe Star Wars needs to go in the get away from this Skywalker trilogy keep the Mandalorian do what they want to do with that give us the Cassian Andor series do the Obi-Wan which is the last tie to all of this but it's time to get into the old republic it's time to go either far in the past or far in the future and in my opinion far in the past is better than the future because the future you pigeonhole yourself to not being able to do movies after, from whatever you said in the TV so go to the past where nothing is affected Oh, and I will get to that, my friend. But first, uh, I wanted to mention uh, what the writer, one of the writers, uh, Chris Terrio, said about Rose. He said one of the reasons Rose was uh, had few less scenes 
than we would like her to have had was the difficulty of using Carrie Fisher's footage in the way that we wanted to. We wanted Rose to be the anchor at the rebel base who Leia was with. We, we thought we couldn't leave Leia at the base without any principal characters who everyone loved. So Leia and Rose were going to work together. As the process evolved, a few scenes we'd written with Re- Leia and Rose turned out not to meet the standard of photorealism that we'd hoped for. Those scenes unfortunately fell out of the film. The last thing we were... The last thing we wanted to do was deliberately sideline the character Rose. We adore the character. We adore Kelly so much that we anchored her with our favorite person in the galaxy, General Leia. That was his comments. You know what, man? That's very interesting that Chris Terrio said that. Look, to me, that's just damage control. Like, my thoughts is they never had an idea to add Rose in this. It was a Ryan Johnson creation. And like all other Ryan Johnson creations, besides the Force Vision, they were like, yo, we don't need this. Am, am I off? Um uh, like I feel like he only of. kept I feel like I mean, he only feel, kept what he liked. Well, here's here's why where I think everything kind of goes on its head because I do think that um I yeah, I feel like it's difficult for them to have included Rose in this because they didn't have the idea. And the thing with me, and I tweeted this out, is that Star Wars has side characters. Sometimes they have really big movies. Sometimes they don't. Jar Jar, really big in episode one, fleeting in the other two. Mace Windu honestly had almost the same amount of screen time as Rose Tico. I mean, I'm sorry, that's just the case. Like, you know, even Lando. Lando in the movies had maybe four more minutes than Rose Tico. In fact. I mean, the, the, she had a solid 11 minutes. Like, Yes, you did. You can't, like, look, man, this in, wasn't in two about movies. Like, th- this isn't about her. I'm sorry. Like, if you want to do go do a series, then go do a series. I'm going to support it. It's Star Wars. And I if John Chu, and if, well, I mean, I understand, Lynn. If John Chu wants to get a part, be a part of it, why, why tear a director down? I mean, if he wants to, to do something seriously good, then I'm open for it. Because, like I said, I think that there is room to explore. Do I think it's necessary? No. But, like, yeah. if that's what they want to do, I think they could do it. I think they could do, but okay, honest opinion. Me and you will watch it because we're Star Wars fans and because we will give everything a shot. But do you honestly think if they put a budget into Rose Tika, not a big budget, let's say 60 million episode, they still have to make it look like Star Wars. But do you think the fan base will support it? I think it's a good way to shut up the fan base that won't stop talking about it. True. Because if it, if it fails, it fails. Yeah, and that's my thing. I think it'll fail. But I mean, like, I can't tell you that it's going to fail. I mean, because let's say that John Shu comes in and, you know, really makes a really great show. I mean, he's that's what I'm talking about. Power, powerful directors in Star Wars can make something happen if you give them the right Back. opportunity. This this trilogy thing was was a mess. And I mean, I can go into that now. Yeah, go ahead. So let, let's start with Lucasfilm wanted Ryan to direct nine from the jump. That's mm-hmm. they wanted him to do nine there. That's his, that's their guy. They rally behind him. I'm talking about the Lucasfilm writers. Um, Iger and Disney felt that the last Jedi did not accomplish what it had hoped amongst fans. So they Bad. decided to go with JJ, uh, JJ and Ryan had beef and JJ hated the last Jedi. JJ oh. wanted full creative control or else he wasn't going to do it. And he didn't want Kathleen Kennedy to provide him with any input. Um, J.J. wanted to make a story about the son of Mortis, played by Matt Smith, being the antagonist. He used a lot of George Lucas's story ideas of what he had imagined from uh, for this trilogy, and they had worked heavily together on that. And he also was going to include Palpatine, but he wasn't going to be alive. Mm. Um, 
JJ uh, told Disney after he had started, you know, done the principal filming and finished up with that, that the, the film may not satisfy all fans. Disney flipped out and abandoned JJ's quote unquote cut and went in and did reshoots, citing that they feared adding a Clone Wars character as an antagonist would not appeal to the general audience and be hard to market. Um, See, that's that's where they effed up. I bet if they would have done, and look, I'm not saying it would have been more successful, but I think the uh, highbrow fans would wouldn't have complained as much. It would have made more sense. This Palpatine thing, like we both, like you liked it. I thought it it didn't really work, and I agree. I'm glad that Iger stepped in and let JJ do it, but I just. This just shows me that Kathleen Kennedy is not the right person for this job. That's all this is telling me. She's not. She wants to keep Johnson. She has no she has no grasp of what makes Star Wars work. She has no grasp of Star Wars creative side like all she was she liked that ooh this is the hot young director I liked his new ideas and blah blah blah. She wanted critical success and she didn't care about the fans. That's what this tells me. That's all this sure. tells and I, and Iger, Iger cares about the fans. Um, Iger realized, well, no, he cares about money, and he, he realizes, cares about money. yes, and, and he realized that the fans are the money, so he wants to satisfy them. I can't, and, and whether you say it's satisfying money, whatever, but they're not really satisfying the money. We'll get to that, exa- too. Huh, and, that um, and that's the thing. But uh, the extensive reshoots that Disney and Iger decided that they wanted took place and ended in October of this year. Mm. So a majority of the movie was reshot. Trevorrow, uh, Trevorrow, who was originally supposed to be in on it uh on on nine he did not like ryan jj planned that luke would survive through nine and colin was with that oh and he pulled shit. out and he pulled out after ryan killed luke and snoke who he had planned to use as well see i bet trevorrow's film would have been good too um ryan and kathleen wanted luke dead in eight uh, that's according to what this guy says. And all of JJ's plot ideas were killed in The Last Jedi, so that's why he turned to Lucas. Um, and there, there's supposedly an Iger cut and a JJ cut, but they doubt that the JJ cut is finished. Mm, see, this is um, reminding me of Justice League. The Star, Wars just, Star Wars just had a Justice League. But the um, thing is, Iger's a great businessman, so he was like... You know what? F it. We're just going to do it like push the button, bring Palpatine. We're going to just try to make it fan fan like and that's why people say it feels like a fanfic. But I can't blame Iger in this situation because Kathleen Kennedy made the wrong decision with Ryan Johnson. She did. And that goes to the last point that this uh, Lucasfilm insider put on Reddit that Kathleen Kennedy is 100 percent out. The announcement is soon to come and also soon to come will be the canning of Ryan's trilogy. Mm. Feige is supposedly going to get the next film. Oh, look, I'm not good. I never and I know we've been very critical myself leading the charge on the show of critical of Kathleen. I don't wish for anyone to be fired. I always said that they should put someone. They in charge. He didn't specify fire. He said would leave. Yeah, would be gone. Well, and, but like, my, they, but, Iger just may place her somewhere new. Uh, and my thing the, is, but. I know I get that, and what I, but I'm what I'm saying is I never wish for anybody to be fired, but I always thought that she was not right for creative. She's a great producer; she knows how to make movies. But in terms of writing scripts, getting script, getting ideas for for these movies, that's not her lane. And I always said she should be moved from that. Let her be in charge of the production side of it. 
Well, I'm glad that she's going to be out of Star Wars, so now we can, Iger can put someone who is a fan of, of, of Star Wars, someone who understands the universe and can give us good stuff, because for her to just say, oh yeah, we're not using, there's no books, there's no, there's no source material, it shows she doesn't understand Star Wars, and let's get someone in there who yeah, does. Yeah, and, and the fact that J.J. wanted to bring in the source material, like they brought in the dagger, and the dagger is essential to those episode sequences on Mortis, so it would have made sense, and like it's just one of those things where if you're expecting people to watch The Mandalorian and The Mandalorian's on Disney Plus and also on Disney Plus is all of the Clone Wars material, you could have yep. you could have got you could have gone with it. Yeah, especially no, because you. they're gonna do a Clone Wars, they're at doing another season in February. Like you could have you could have totally done that. And like when I was reading that, I was getting so mad because like that would have made that would have been good. That'd have been a better movie. It would have been, been a better movie. <laughs> It would have tied everything together. Like, that's what people want. And, like, she just doesn't understand. You, if you're going to make everything canon, everything has to be canon. Glad she's gone. Good on Iger. I kind of like Tre Colin Trevorrow's ideas now. I'm, I'm sad that Luke's not. Luke was supposed to be there till 9. It makes freaking sense. Well, Ryan, it, Ryan Johnson it, ruined it. It's one of those things where Ryan Johnson was just the, the, um, the one odd man out in this. Where, like, Lucasfilm loved him, but Disney was iffy. And and when they saw his film, they didn't like it, and it meant, and ended up messing up the continuity between JJ and Colin, who are working together. Yep. And my thing is, and let's not. And even they should have all been working together. Yes, and let's not say Lucasfilm. Let's say Kathleen, the person who in charge. Kat, Iger didn't like it. JJ didn't like it. Kathleen liked it. And, and like it's just like no, Kathleen, like you were wrong. Like you, like you were just wrong on this. And we we this this trilogy suffered, but. In looks to the future, what were you going to talk about? Going where were you? And you, when I said something about Old Republic, you you said I'm getting there. So let's get to that. That was what I was going to say. I think that Feige is going to be the guy in control of the Old Republic. Mmm. Okay. See, now you're talking. Now you're right up my alley because Feige's a known Star Wars fan. He shows he can do continuity. He did the freaking Infinity Saga, and I am excited now for where Star Wars is going with Filoni, Feige, and Favreau, the three L's. And the thing is, is I don't want directors to, to shy away from being a, doing a Star Wars movie. I just hope that whoever gets into that position now kind of makes it a little bit more involved. Like, I mean, if we're going to get... Well, it's going to be like Marvel. You, like, Feige's going to... See, that's the thing, Schubert. With Feige coming in, directors won't be scared to go to Lucasfilm. They'll be like, okay, Feige has this vision, and I can do whatever I want as long as I, I get from point A to point B. And, and, th that, and we've seen that with... With every Marvel film, look at Ryan Coogler. He had to do certain things, but Black Panther was his vision. Scott Derrickson, he had to do certain things with Doctor Strange, but that was his vision. The Russo brothers. We could go on and on. James Gunn. Feige is the perfect person for this job. My question is, is Feige going to be stretched too thin now? Yeah, I mean, that's a Marvel problem, so uh, whatever to them. I think yeah, that... you're just like, as long as Star Wars is cool, I get, I get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't think that he has to have as much hand in Star Wars as... He does in Marvel. I think like Marvel is. I think all he really needs to do is just be a stable hand for the trilogy. Mm, okay. So and let like, Filoni and Favreau take care of TV. Yeah, let Filoni and Favreau take care of TV. But I'm saying like he's just set up like a team, maybe two or three. I mean, if it depends on what they want to do. I they've already mentioned that they don't want to do any more trilogies. I'm cool with that. You know, a trilogy, a, tri a trilogy doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you're not going to get like a, a four part series. You know what I'm saying? We can get yeah. we can get like. Some kind, something like a Hunger Games, where they do the two movies, then a part one, part two, something like that. Or you get four yeah, we movies. Won't get a saga. We might get five movies that tie together where we see the birth of Darth Revan and end with Bane. Sure, yeah, but it's not, yeah, so it's just 
not going to be like a trilogy or be a part of like the thing. It's just going to be its own thing. So that's what everyone needs to understand with that. But that's pretty much all I had on that part. The only thing I wanted to say with Star Wars is some good stuff. Uh, Fabro confirming that the Mandalorian will be back fall 2020 Woo-hoo. and uh, Clone Wars season seven and will start in February. Ooh, okay. And they're going to have 12 episodes. So, see, I see in the notes you say February. Oh, that is 2020. I'm tripping. Okay, so this February. Cool. See, good on Star Wars. Let's get Clone Wars. Let's get Mando back fall 2020 along with Falcon Winter Soldier. This is good news, people. We're done with Kathleen Kennedy's era. We're moving on to the new era, and hopefully Star Wars can bounce back because whether as much money as these films made, I'm, I'm not going to say it was a win. I'm not going to say it was a loss. I would say it's like a, it was average. I would give the Disney run of Star Wars that they've done so far a C. And that's me being generous. That's generous. I, what would you Quite give generous. it? A D? What, the trilogy? I'm just saying Disney's run so far. And I give it a C because Rogue One's in there. Mandalorian's in there. But they Solo didn't work. You like Solo. I, I, I just thought it wasn't as good as it could have been. And then the trilogy. That's why I'm giving it a C. C minus. Uh, yeah, I guess that's about right. Because I mean, Mando's I, I mean, success, I love because Rogue One. Because, I mean, like, I think that Solo was good. So, I mean, I think that people are unnecessarily hating on Solo. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say that that was a positive for Disney. And they kind of muffed that up, too. Yeah, and, and that's you know, what I'm saying. I, C. Yeah, so C's, C's pretty good with that. Um, but let's move on to another thing that we can uh, Crap shit on. on. I'm just saying <laughs> And it's cats, which was a flop. So no Big surprise. surprise. Yeah, Jinx. Yo, they had a they they re they refilmed or they redid the CGI like right after the movie came out because it was so bad. But that didn't even really help. This movie's garb, bro. I'm I'm Idris Elba. You shouldn't have done this movie. Uh, Judy Dench. You shouldn't have did this movie. Like this movie was garbage. They was trying to make this a, an Oscar thing. Like that's why all those people were a part of it. They were trying to make a push. But they took themselves out of like, Oscar contention. They said, they, 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 they said, yeah. that mm-hmm. that's embarrassing. That's fucking embarrassing. Oh yeah, and it, and um, it sucks for Tom Hooper who had a pretty good decade with the King's Speech, Les Mis, Danish Girl, but this was a flop. Yeah, man, and they had a good cast: Ian McKellen, Idris Elba. Uh, Judy Dench, Rebel Wilson, James Corden. But then you add people like Jason Derulo, T- Taylor Swift. It's like, oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> I know where this is going. Trash. Yeah. And and I don't like, know much, I don't know much about cats. And like, I've been hearing like what more and more the plot is. And it sounds like a completely weird sort of thing to try. It's and... a musical, man. It's a fucking. I mean, musical. it's not even that it's a musical. It's just the story is weird. No, no, There's no. I'm saying. Of cat talent show to get to heaven yeah no and that and my thing is that's why it probably works better as a musical oh sure yeah yeah no that, the that's one thing all... i did hear is that jennifer hudson's song was great shout out to jj hud she's an amazing actress and singer so good for her yeah uh, but that that's it that's it for that all right so we have that they're now casting for uh ninja uh cowboy ninja viking it's actually happening with the director, uh, Michelle McLaren, writers Dan Mazzao, and Chris Pratt is attached to be the main character. This is the logline for it. A uh, member of a secret and illegal CIA subcontracted program to create perfect intelligence operatives. He has the f- uh, physique of action here, but we'll, start, we'll still see that. F- oh, no, no, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got you. I'm reading the wrong thing. All right, yeah, this yeah. is the logline. A member of an illegal CIA subcontracted program 
is to create the perfect intelligence operations, struggles to keep his multiple personalities under control as he races to stop his long-lost brother, also in the program from using a sonic weapon on NYC as part of a bizarre revenge scheme against their shadowy bosses. We will see three different personalities. Chris Pratt's playing the main guy, and he will see his three different sides, the Viking side, the cowboy side, and the ninja side. Only he will see him. When the audience sees him, we just see him, and each personality takes over when they need the specific kind of, uh, I guess, skill set. And basically, he has a mental illness which allows him to perform superhuman feats during his mission. His name is Duncan, and he's trying to stop his brother Armand, and that's going to be Chris Pratt. This sounds good. Michelle McLaren has been attached to this for a while. She hasn't made anything in hopes of making this. I'm super excited. She chose this over Wonder Woman, so... I'm hoping this is good. It sounds good as long as they don't be, uh, men in black it. I think this will be pretty good. Yeah, I think they could, they have the potential to do some good stuff with it. I feel like uh, it's not going to be as cheesy with Michelle McLaren. That's my um, thing. Yeah. Chris Pratt is the only thing that worries me. Oh, geez. We're worried about Chris Pratt now? I just don't know. I mean, like, if, if we're going to take such a serious tone to this, I just don't know what the tone is. Like, if it's Chris Pratt's tone, then it's going to work. But, I mean, if it's not Chris Pratt's tone, then I don't know if he's going to, like, master a... A dark tone. A, like, imagine Chris imagine Chris Pratt in the Bourne Supremacy. You know what I'm mm. saying? Just saying? Like, something like that. Like I, But if it's if the tone is a little bit more goofy, I, I wouldn't even say goofy, but just a little bit more lighthearted. Where, like, I, I mean, and I got to believe that Chris Pratt's going to be a ninja, too. So, I mean, it's just, like, I, I, I'm just wary on how that's going to look. True. I'm not knocking Chris Pratt because I think he's good. I just, you know, I, I don't know what to expect out of him in this role yet. Or well, what this and, movie's and, tone is. And that goes back to the thing where I'm saying where they're casting the ninja, the Viking, and the cowboy. Maybe we'll see, whereas the people, like, maybe we'll see the ninja doing stuff and it'll switch to Chris Pratt, switch to the ninja from our vision, but the people who he's fighting only see Chris Pratt. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So it might work that way. It might not just be we see Chris Pratt the whole time. You know what I mean? Where when they're doing like the action stuff where it's a Viking, we actually see the person playing the Viking, but the and then it like switches back to Chris Pratt. Con- so where it's like we know it's Chris Pratt, the the uh the people in the movie know it's Chris Pratt, but we also see his the personality that's playing it. You know, and I think that would be pretty cool if they executed the right way. Yeah, definitely. If so, yeah, I'm so I'm interested to see how that ends up. Yeah, no, man. So I'm I'm very excited for that. I'm glad they brought it back. Yeah, I'm glad that they're not, they're not keeping it on ice because this is a is a good comic book movie. I mean, a good comic book, and I think it could be done well. I think it could be good if it's done well. But let's move to the next thing. Ryan Reynolds has confirmed with a lot of people have expected that uh, since Disney acquired 20th Century Fox, Deadpool 3 is coming and will now be in the hands of Marvel Studios. Appearing on a holiday edition of Live with Ryan and Kelly, or with Kelly and Ryan, the actor told Kelly Ripper and host Ryan Seacrest that his potty mouth superhero is returning with another sequel in the blockbuster franchise. We're working on it right now with the whole team. We're over at Marvel, which is the big leagues, and it's kind of crazy. So, Schubert, are you excited for Deadpool 3 coming from Marvel? Yeah, I think the I, I I don't think they're gonna cheese not cheese it up, but I mean I don't think that they're going to let Ryan Reynolds not do his thing. Yeah, I think they're gonna let him do his thing. And I, I think, think I think I think what benefits this is now he has the repertoire of Marvel. Yeah, man. So like some cool stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some people show up. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we saw Tom Holland show up. Ooh, that would be dope. My my thing is, I wouldn't see 
Tom Holland, maybe. I would just because I think they might not be able to do it R with him, but like I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Doctor Strange. I would be cool. And I, I get why you say Tom Holland, because Spider-Man and Deadpool have a have a history together. But imagine seeing Doctor Strange or this is where you introduce Daredevil. Either one would work, but I would love to see any of these guys get into Marvel, as well as this now gives us the X-Force, which could lead us into the X-Men. And it just worked. My, but my prediction is none of this comes until after Eternals. Yeah, my question with all that is, um, oh, they do have the X-Men now, right? Yeah, they do. So, so yeah, I mean, they're going to have to use the X-Men in this. They, so this is going to have to take a while. And that's my thing. Let it come after Eternals because Eternals is setting up how the X-Men go into Marvels because the Eternals are make this offset of humans that are mutants. So I'm down with it. Let's get it. And they're leading us to how X-Men fit into Marvel, and they're doing it right by building it with Eternals, maybe getting Eternals 2, and then getting X-Men, then getting Deadpool. And I think that will work great. And maybe make it to where uh, Deadpool comes from a different multiverse, and he's popped in here, and he's like, oh, you guys look like my X-Men, but I actually get to see you guys now. Which would be hilarious. Yeah. They, so, they definitely play with it really well. I just think that, you know, this Deadpool movie, it could be, it could possibly be the best one. Yeah. Uh, it, now that you're going to put the budget behind it, not saying that the other ones didn't get a budget, but you're with Marvel now. Like, like Ryan said, this is the big leagues. Exactly. I mean, they, they can make this into like a big time powerhouse movie. And I think, you know, with the traction that Deadpool's gained through the past two movies, I think people would come out to see whatever they put together for it. And I think that yep. they might go all out for it because yeah, I think no. they'd be a big moneymaker for them, even more so than I think the internals would be. No, I'm with you. This is all part of their plan to make Marvel finally what it was on the comics to give a full continuity with all their characters. I'm excited for it. Marvel's phase four won't be great, but phase, phase five and six, that's where they're going to hit their stride. Yeah, they just got to they got to play setup again. Yeah, facts. No, 100%. Um, so Marissa Tomei has joined Jason Momoa in Sweet Girl, which is a new revenge thriller at Netflix. Um, pretty much the crew that Momoa has been working with in, um, in some of his other projects, uh, like Frontier, will be joining him on this. And uh, Marissa Tomei is going to play a U.S. senator. The story has Momoa playing a devastated husband who vows to find the people responsible for the murder of his wife while protecting what he has left, his daughter. So almost oh. like a taken. Okay, that doesn't sound bad. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, so that should be a pretty interesting thing to see Momoa do on Netflix. So I'm excited to see when that comes out. See the first trailer or anything from that. Cool. Shout out to Jason Momoa. Shout out to Melissa Tomei. Oh, yeah, man. Marissa Tomei. <laughs> that's your girl but a word up. anyway Our, next up we got universal pictures is in talks with the lego group to develop a new feature film property based on the popular block toys numerous sources says the uh deal is pending and it's close to being finished so does this mean lego's leaving warner brothers yes oh okay how do you um, feel so about that? i think that's interesting because now universal wants to they want to do something with it, so I think that if they approach Lego similar to how they did with Lego Batman, I think it could be a smash. Like I think Lego Batman was an absolute smash. One of the one of the you know the best animated comic book movies that I've seen besides Spider Verse. But my question is, they probably don't get to use that now because Warner Brothers owns DC. I understand. 
I'm not. I mean, I didn't say Lego Batman too. I said something uh, like Lego Batman. Okay, okay, I get you, I get you, I get you, I get you. You can use uh, the property and do an entire thing about that just in Lego, and I think mm. it would work. I think people mm. would go to see that. You fast bring the Fast and the Furious people to Lego. <laughs> I don't Universal, know about that. Universal owns that man. Oh well, yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's it's all just comes down to what Universal can either get the rights to or um what what they want to use in their own uh their own wheelhouse, their own stable. Oh, you're right. So good for good for Lego and Universal. All right. Well, um, did you see HBO's Avenue Five tra- trailer? Yes, I did, and I'm super excited for this. Yeah, it looks really interesting. It's got Hugh Laurie, Josh Gad, and uh. Um, the guy from the office slash Silicon Valley, I can't ever remember his name. Yeah, he's on there. Um, oh my, the the dude that's not a part of the original team, he comes join. Yeah, Gabe from uh, yeah. the office. Yep, he is hilarious. This looks funny. This looks like if if they, it looks like they took the idea of Elon Musk and all his space stuff, kind of advances a little bit in the future, and they're making fun of it. I'm gonna check this out. We see Hugh Laurie in non house form. So this could be the new HBO comedy that everybody's waiting for. Yeah, this is um, this is by the team that did Veep. So I assume that they're gonna, you know, really have some good writing power behind this. And I'm interested to see how it goes. They could use a new comedy now that Veep's done and uh, Barry is in a hiatus for the next season. So. Yep. So this could be something special for them. I'm excited. Good for them. Uh, let's move on to the next topic. This is the rumor section. Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter is the main name right now for Marvel's Moon Knight, as well as DC has a Martian Manhunter movie in development, which could be great, which would give us the OG Justice League. But that tells me Cyborg might be out of the mix, but that's cool with me. I'm okay with that. Schubert, how do you feel about the Martian Manhunter movie in development, as well as Daniel Radcliffe? being the main name right now in discussion for Moon Knight. I'm really interested in the Martian Manhunter. I think that done right, Martian Manhunter could be a really cool story. Um, yes. I think it would be a, a real shapeshifter. Like, yeah, I think it would be a little bit of him on Earth, a little bit of stuff on Mars. Um, I would like to not have it have him meet anyone. I think it would just be nice if it was him. Yeah, true. Maybe The only person I would say maybe make him meet is... Not a hero, a side character of a Lois Lane, maybe. Sure, I could, I could roll with something like that. And um, that, or, or who, or whoever Batman establishes as side characters. Yeah, like let him meet a, a a really prevalent side character. I also think that it could be interesting um, connection with uh, what was it that he had in that movie that we watched. The animated movie about Justice League, was it with the Flash or Green Lantern oh, that he had a connection Lantern. with? Oh, you can make him meet Carol Ferris with Green Lantern, yes. Yep. So I think like that could be a way that we open up the Green Lanterns. Or I think this you know, works either way where you tie I like your I actually like your idea of Green Lantern more than mine with Superman. But either way, tie it into whoever's coming from space, whether it's Green Lantern or Superman, it would work work both ways. And now that we're getting the Hulk people with Black Adam, DC is slowly building their universe. Yeah, I think you know casting Marvin or Martian Manhunter would be very difficult um, right now, uh, and I think like this is not something that we're going to see until after Flash, so it's not something that's going to be rushed. But I think that it's a good idea that they're thinking about developing this as opposed to some of the other heroes they could do. I think it yeah. would be interesting and different, different take. Yeah, and I think you know DC's already kind of said to themselves that they're not like so focused on the 
connectivity of everything obviously it connects in a way but like if they're not like so transfixed on it so i think it'd be interesting to like throw in some of these characters that you're not expecting to see movies for yeah give us some of these these i don't want to say c-list characters but these c-list characters and let them give us martian manhunter be a kid well i their, think their like, it's one of those things where like you would think of martian manhunter as maybe a c-list character but like he is when it comes to the status of the league oh he's, he's a lister so, yeah, I mean, like, facts. he deserves to get some A-list treatment, treatment here. So, I think that the Martian Manhunter movie is a great move. He is low-key the—I don't want to—well, in this last Justice League comic book run, he was the leader. But he is the one that connects everybody with his mental stuff. Without Martian Manhunter, the Justice League doesn't work. Superman, Wonder Woman, and, and Batman are the faces. But Martian Manhunter, like you said, is an A-list Justice Leaguer, and it's, and it's about time he gets some shine. Yeah, and then when it comes to Moon Knight and Daniel Radcliffe, it's almost like um, everyone's like, let's give these guys who uh, had some franchises and let them brood. Like yeah, uh, Robert Pattinson and uh, Daniel and, Radcliffe. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Let, let them brood. That's and funny I think... that, that uh, Robert Pattinson, who was uh, Cedric Diggory, the, the, the face of Hogwarts is Batman, and they're letting Harry Potter be the knockoff Batman in Moon Knight. Not saying that he's, and that's not discrediting Moon Knight, because Moon Knight's a great character, but he was based off of Batman. Let's call a spade a spade. And it, I think it's just funny that those two, being Cedric Diggory and Harry Potter, are now Batman and Moon Knight. Well, it's also people that kind of discredited them as actors, you know, Less so with Robert because people just didn't weren't aware of like the good stuff that he's done. But a lot of yeah. people have been dogging Daniel Radcliffe on what he's done post Harry Potter, and this would be a big this would really be a big role for him to kind of get an opportunity he... to put a put a good put a good name to his to himself now. I mean to get it's... get back into the good graces of Hollywood, especially since everybody's predicting that Moon Knight will be a part of a Marvel Knights team with Punisher and Blade. This could be a new franchise for Daniel. So I'm happy for him, man. I hope he gets this. Yeah, me too. I think it's definitely something that he needs. It's kind of like the same way that we felt confident in Robert that this would be like a a, define, a career-defining role for him. Like I think this could be a career-defining role for Daniel Radcliffe and how his adult acting career is going to pan out. Yeah, no, I'm good for him, man. I'm excited for both these guys. All right, well, that's kind of it for the news. Let's go ahead and jump into the box office real quick. Um I mentioned cats up front because they did not make this. Um, Spies in Disguise, number five. The kid I, movie. Which I heard is not bad. Yeah, good for Will Smith, man. He needed a comeback after Gemini, man. Sure. Uh, Frozen 2 still holding tight at four. Another kid um, movie. Yep. Little Woman, which I've also heard really great things about. That's, yeah, uh, I heard this is Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan, yep. And didn't she direct it? Oh, I don't know that. Hold me, on, I'm a, I'm a Google it. You you finish right, yeah. the box office. I got you. And Timothy Chalamet also uh, supposedly did a good job in that. Oh, well. it's um, it's Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. That's what I was about to say. I was like, I thought this was a Ger Greta Gerwig. Like, and you know, they, she and Saoirse Ronan work well together. So of course, yep. This Little is Women, uh, Lady um, Bird, like good for Sir good. Greta Gerwig, one of those up and coming directors. Yeah, and a lot of people's list, she made um, one of the act uh, not, not actors directors of the decade. I yeah. can believe it. Um, number two is Jumanji: The Next Level, and uh, number one, of course, Rise of Skywalker. This past weekend, they made seventy-two million. The 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 one thing that we were mentioning up top with the Rise of Skywalker and box office and money and not making the much as much money as expected. I think Disney wanted this to be one of those things that would be contending to 
break records. It's yeah, not the case. no, not at all. I think that, it's, I think that's the, why it's even more of a letdown because like not only is it not liked by fans, but it didn't make the money that the other ones did, and it's just Bob Iger's not happy right now. Well, it's one of those things where they kind of already set themselves up for failure after what had happened with Last Jedi and Solo. Um, people just kind of not going solo, being uninterested in, in general. I think, like, you know, at the beginning of The Force Awakens, of course, all the people were going to come out for it because they wanted to see what it was all about. But, you know, once it got to Rise of Skywalker, I think it, a lot of the fan base had kind of petered out with their interest, and yep. the initial critic reviews didn't help. So, so yeah, I could, it's still going to make a, a ton of money, definitely all the money that it was supposed to make, but it's not going to break records or anything. No, it's not. It's just, sadly enough, but uh, I mean, at least, hey, man, at least it's uh, you know, at least it made some money. Definitely, definitely. Um, but that's it for the box office. We're gonna move into the movie on the rise. Uh, for me, I would tell everyone to go check out You Season Two, the Penn Badgley, uh dark drama of him being like a stalker creepy serial killer kind of person season two to me right now is better than season one so i definitely say you should check that out um and i also want people to go check out star wars rebels there's no excuse now if you're watching the mandalorian you should be able to go check out star wars rebels it's one of the greatest Shit. they need to check out clone wars too well i mean clone Wars is happening with a new season, so they'll be able to get to that. But I mean, don't don't skimp out on some Star Wars Rebels, and especially if you are interested in the ending of the Mandalorian season one, I want you to go check out Man- uh, the Mandalore episodes of Star Wars Rebels, which are in seasons th- season three, episode eleven, episode fifteen, episode sixteen, and then the first two episodes of season four. All of those go into the Mandalore Mandalorian histories. Um, I'm not going to, I guess, you know, since we're going to talk about uh, spoiler review, episode eight, the dark saber, this goes yeah. into the history of the dark saber and stuff like that. So it's very, really important episodes for you to watch. If you want to kind of understand what's going on at the end of the Mandalorian with that dark saber. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. But uh, this week I have two things. Uh, Kevin Hart just dropped his big special. I'm excited to see this after the wreck and after, uh, his cheating yeah, scandal like with his wife. Yeah, man. Uh, Kevin Hart, don't fuck this up. On uh, it's out now. Um, I haven't watched it yet. I'm, I was waiting to actually start this this week. So I will by next week. I'll give you guys a, a little review and tell you what I think. But I'm watching it with you. So check out that. And then on this January second, we talked a lot about this on Bros Who Think on the Bros Who Think podcast. Schubert, they're doing a surviving a R. Kelly part two. I gotta watch it. They're doing a what? A surviving R. Kelly Part Two. You remember surviving R. Kelly Part One? No. You don't remember we talked about that for weeks on Bros. You think me in Brooklyn? Uh, yeah, I remember you guys talked about it. I never saw it. Mm, well, they're doing a Part Two. It's gonna be no. crazy. Uh, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be pretty cool. And thinking of some other documentaries, you kind of reminded me with the Kevin Hart name that there's a documentary on Netflix right now called "Don't Fuck with Cats," and it's oh, pretty yeah. crazy. Oh yeah, I heard that shit is crazy. My girlfriend's friend told me that. It's a pretty crazy story for real. Especially, if, especially for all you people who are, uh, you know, internet trolls. And if you like Dracula, the new show will be out January fourth, so this Saturday. What new show, Dracula? It's a new Netflix show called Dracula, based on oh. based off of the Dracula series. Interesting. All right. Yeah, so. Well, let's go ahead and move into some discussion here. Let's talk about one of those Netflix 
series that's hitting the that hit the streams this month, and that's The Witcher. We've gotten I've gotten to seven, you've gotten to six. So we're gonna talk about the first half of The Witcher. Um, I was really iffy about it early. Yeah, it. I didn't get it until. Well, I mean, I was into it in episode one. I wasn't necessarily into the story, but I was into the action. Is probably the best sword and shield fighting I've ever seen. Got to yes, give him credit for that. And that's what hooked me. And then around, I think, episode four, when we really got into the backstory and we're like, okay, we're seeing this from different time perspectives, that's when I was like, all right, I'm, I'm into it. I get it. Exactly. Because, like, I, I remember t- I was texting somebody during um, – I was watching the second episode, and I was like, I don't know if I like this. And then there's one of these things where I'm like – I see all the people on Twitter praising The Witcher, and then I'm going – I get two episodes in, and I'm like, well, this is like what everyone's been complaining about the Mandalorian. So you guys want to come out and complain about the Mandalorian <laughs> being like side quest bullshit. And then you're going to tell me that this is like art. Like, give me a break. And but I but once I got to episode three, I was really into it. I think that the storylines that are in different times, timelines, once they got to what you said, episode four and connected, I kind of understood where we were going. I understood like the direction that it's going, so I'm all in right now. Like right now, I'm loving the show. I think that they're doing a really great job with the action. I love Henry Cavill as the Witcher. I love the Bard. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm loving really, that Bard, and I love I'm, Jennifer. Yeah, I'm really digging the characters. Like, she had a really great arc. Um, the Cirilla stuff is really the only stuff that's iffy to me, but I'm really Same. interested in it because, like. I want to. I want to know what's going on there. Like I, I have so many questions about that storyline, which is what makes me so interested in it. And it seems like this won't finish in this season, so it's gonna get to a season two. So look, man, there's I'm rumors exci- that they're already going forward with season three. Oh, see, that's how you know they have something good on their hands. Like you said, from the jump, the best storyline to me from episode one, which will get you guys hooked. If yeah, the Henry Cavill stuff is dope, but. For him, it's the fighting that gets me interested. But in terms of story, story, the Yennefer stuff is what kept me into it so long. Yeah, I think that most of that came in, like, the third episode or something. But, like, and seeing like, her go from hunchback girl to being, that's like, what I'm saying. the most powerful sorceress is like, whoa. Yeah, I think, like, at the and like she starts, I think she appeared in, like, episode two. And that's when I was like, what the heck is this hunchback girl? Like, what is this magic? Like, I just didn't understand, like, the whole thing that was going on with all that. And then when like it gets to the part where like you understand that the main uh, teacher lady is like, oh yeah, I think that you have like this incredible potential and like blah blah blah, and then they like have her mate with the other guy and like stuff well, no, like they, that. Like he didn't have her mate. She didn't. She well, she didn't only work. yeah, like she she was doing that on her own, and then the woman found out and she was like, get information from him, and then seeing like there's so much titties in this, and it's like if you like Game of Thrones, like this is this is a good show for you, and like oh man, it is crazy, like seeing that she no matter how pretty magic makes her, she she doesn't she's not pretty on herself to the inside, and it's like this is nuts, and then every time everybody's like the Witcher doesn't feel emotions, and I'm just like yeah, he might not feel emotions, but Henry Cavill's feeling this, like he just doesn't let it be known. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's just so much more, and I'm excited to see like how it finishes up, or I mean, it won't even finish up. I mean, how it continues. Uh, I'm just because yeah, season ends because like I'm, the Bard has to come back in season two. I love that guy. Uh, my thing with the, the whole timeline thing is I'm so confused about where he would stay in the Cirilla timeline. Yeah, that is true. But I okay, 
my question is, from where I'm at in episode six, do you think that's behind the Cirilla time? Like, like I think that's closer to the Cirilla timeline than... I think um, the episode that you're about to watch is very, very close to the Cirilla timeline. Oh, okay, so I'm not... And, even... the, and, and the episode that you're about to watch will also address some age discrepancies amongst our characters. Like there's ah. me- there's mentions of of things about like time jumps, and that's what you got to pay attention with the Witcher. Like sometimes they'll be like, "Oh, I haven't seen you in four months," like stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. like in episode the, the episode six where the bard was like, "I haven't seen you in four years." Yeah, exactly. It's like I was oh, like, "Whoa, um, damn, okay." Time jump. <laughs> okay. Real, but good for Henry Cavill, man. I'm glad this series worked for him because after the whole Superman fiasco, he's a good actor, and this is this proves it. So good for him. Yeah, so that's that's The Witcher. We'll talk about it a little bit more next week when we finish up. Facts. Yeah, I'll be finished by next week. Uh, oh, so real quick, real quick before we jump into Mandalorian, Harley Quinn, great series. It's a great series. I don't want to go too much into it because I kind of I I told myself that I wanted to stop watching for the time being because I wanted to stack it. Okay, so you want to talk about it when it finishes? Yeah, more so that because I because we had already stopped doing the episode by episode. I was like, let me just wait and stack it because like I like that show more when I can do it, binge in, it. In, yeah, when I can binge it because it's okay. like one of the it reminds me of like watching you know any other cartoon. Rick and Morty, the, Bob's Burgers, yeah, no, I get you something like that where I'd more, much rather see them like back to back to back. Word, but, well, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about it at season end, but just update the Robin episode, hilarious. All the episodes are hilarious. It's, yeah, it's it's one of the it's like the best show I thought I never thought I needed. Facts, no, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's great. You, if you guys are on DC Universe, you should check it out for sure. Uh, so let's move into Mandalorian Chapter Eight. Taika Waititi directed this episode. Um, his character IG Eleven had a very prominent role in it. Did you notice the cameo in the beginning? Yeah, Jason Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis and Adam Sully, or I believe his name. I, I, no, You'll know his other. face. You'll know his face, but you but his name is a little is iffy. it Adam Pally? Yeah, Adam Pally. Okay. All right. Yeah, they were. I I don't know who Adam Pally is. If you saw his face, you'd recognize it. You just I just can't really. It's he plays a lot of minor things and a lot of things. Oh, okay, I do recognize this guy. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, but that reminds it's me funny of, when I, I did when I did the rewatch and I knowing it was Sudeikis, I could totally hear Sudeikis. I uh, see. I I knew it was him when I first before I went watch the first episode. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, you're punching Baby Yoda, Jason." Yeah, yeah. Twitter ate them up. Yeah, that. but okay. Wait, did you hear what I was saying? Did it not remind you of Tag and Bink, being that you're a big Star Wars guy? Oh yeah, I'd, see, I'd say so. I mean, I I think that that the they have the ability to maybe do possible Tag and Bink thing. I think you know Taika would be someone who could take that up if he wanted to do it. I think he's a little bit more prominent of a director to take. Uh, to not do something like that, I think you can get someone a little bit less high key. But that would be a great start, uh, co- comedy series for Disney Plus. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it would be really interesting if they did some kind of Star Wars comedy. That's like the one thing that I've been preaching to the masses is that I just want to see different genres of Star Wars. I would like to see a comedy. I want to see a horror. Like I want to see it all. Yeah, I think I think that would work. For I want to see a romance. Uh, well, well. Uh, I want to see one done right because we haven't seen one done right besides yeah. Han and Leia. True. Well, let's jump into episode eight, brother. Yo, this episode was fire. At this, like we said, this is the Cowboy Bebop finale tie-in episode, and like 
I, I, I loved it. Like seeing uh, IG-11, like, no, I trained, I'm a nurse droid. Seeing him go in with that speeder and start shooting up the place. Seeing, uh, that was an awesome scene. Seeing John Carlos Esposito be like, yeah, I know who you are, Cara Dune. Yeah, I know who you are, Mandalorian. We know your name now. Yeah, I know who you are, uh, Grief. Like, I know who all of you are. You dudes, y'all better uh, get off my back. Like, yeah, to explain to people who may not have understood what the conversation was there, he was pretty much an Imperial intelligence officer. His job was to know all of that. And like what the Mandalorian said, he was stationed on Mandalore, so he would know a lot about that. Yeah, he was stationed on Mandalore as an Imperial Intelligence. So that's probably why we're going to find out a lot of what had to do with the end there. Because he probably had a lot to do with what's going on in Mandalore. Be, be, I really like John Carroll Esposito's character in this. I think he's a great villain. Yeah, he worked really, really well. And I loved how when the Mandalorian, they made a callback to episode one with that, like, the uh, cannon where he tried to grab it. And John Carlo was like, nah, bro, it's not going down like this. What do you mean? When uh, he grabbed like the uh, you remember in episode one when the Mandalorian jumped on that 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 cannon and he was shooting at everybody, got everybody out, and then in this one he tried to jump on the cannon again and and he, he killed a good bit of people, but then when he was trying to kill everybody, Giancarlo hit the like the explosive and he was like, "Bro, you're not about to, we're not, this not going down like episode one again." Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he was just like looking at him and he was like, "Shoot you, I'm gonna shoot this box." Exactly. Ooh. That's when I was like, yes, okay, dope, dope episode. And then the Mandalorian almost died. Yeah, we got to see his face, too. Yep, for the first time, and he it worked. And I loved how IG-11 was like, but I'm not, and the Mandalorian's like, I can't take my hell helmet off for anybody. And IG-11's person. like, a living person, yeah, and IG-11's like, I'm not a living person. And it just worked, and it was like, yes, cool, my guy can survive. And then love seeing the lady from the uh, clan kick ass. For sure, and I love all yeah, the stuff survived. that involved her in in that whole sequence, make, giving him the jetpack. Um, yes, uh, giving him his his, his ensign, his signet. Yeah, um, and telling him that he's now Baby Yoda's dad. Exactly. Yeah, let's train him in the ways of a Mandalorian. Like, yo, are we about to get this super soldier Jedi? Like, where is this guy in the universe? Like, what? Yeah, I'd like to see a Yoda species in a Mandalorian outfit. That'd be interesting. That'd be One hilarious. Piece of exactly. And but you know the lady would make it for his little ass. That's true. Because this that's is very the way. True. Uh, this is the way. Yeah. So that's really cool. And he's now now we understand what the plot is of the future episodes of the Mandalorian. He's gonna go in search of oh Jedi, pretty much. Well, see, okay. I, when I thought of that, I, 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 yeah, I know they said Jedi, but for me, I took that as they're gonna go find the actual species. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Baby Yoda's? Well, where the baby is actually from? Like, what's the species of Yoda in the child? Which I think will be what he explores first and realizes that that's not gonna be possible. Ooh, and okay. End up passing him to the Jedi. Oh, so we're trying to. And this could maybe be how we get a Sabine Wren and an Ahsoka. I don't think we'll get Luke, but I think we can maybe this is how we'll finally get Dave Filoni's master children of rebels. And maybe that's why maybe now you saying we need to people need to watch rebels makes more sense, because if he's going to dump them off to anybody, I don't think we're going to see Sebastian Stan as Luke. But I can definitely think we'll see a, a old lady Ahsoka, which would also explain where he was in the sequel trilogy. Yep. True, 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 true. So I, 
I think that Ahsoka is a really good uh, idea with that, especially because it's Dave Filoni's baby. I mean, of course, yep. he's going to put Ahsoka in it. He's put Ahsoka and, in everything. So, and then I love seeing him take the jetpack and destroy uh, Giancarlo's ship. Giancarlo survived, and then Navarro was free of Imperial reign. So, Grief's still alive. He's running the bounty hunter in Navarro. So, we'll see him back in season two. Same yeah, thing. Cara with Dune. Saying there. Yeah. Yep. She's going to be a bounty hunter. I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah, I kind of wanted her to go with him, but like she said, the whole episode, she was like, I'm not motherly, so like, I'm just, I'm a fighter, and it just makes sense, so cool for her, but that means we'll we'll get to see them both, and then, uh, what oh, I love, I love that she was from Alderaan. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that till my second watch. Yeah, I caught that first one, I was just like, Alderaan? Yep, it makes sense why she hates the Empire so much. For sure, I, I kind of want to know that story. Also, oh, uh... No. I want to know where she was at. I hope the lady who fixes the Mandalorian armor comes back because she didn't die. She didn't die. So she's still on the bar. Yep, so that would be dope. And then the ultimate ending with uh, Giancarlo Esposito's character having the Darksaber. Yeah, I think that's just the, the the crazy thing with that. It was kind of a big reveal at the end. Um, I, really, I think it really worked out. I think that uh, we're going to have to find more about that. And I think that's why I want everyone to revisit, just so you know, the history of the Darksaber and what's, you know, what's the purpose behind it, especially with Mandalorians. It's, I don't know. I don't, I, my question is, is how much does, uh, how do you say his name, Jin? Yeah, Din Jarn. Din Jarn. How much does Din know about the Darksaber and the Mandalorian history behind it? I, well, I think he's going to find out. question with that. And my prediction now, I don't. I, people are saying, yeah, Din's gonna get the dark saber. I don't think so. I think Baby Yoda becoming a Mandalorian, he's gonna get the dark saber. That's a that's an interesting idea. I think because so. he's a Je- he's a real Jedi. But and- I, but I don't think that that's gonna mean that the that Din doesn't touch it or use oh, it. Oh yeah, no, Din might use it for a little bit, but I think Baby Yoda is gonna be the end up the keeper of the dark saber. For sure, I think that it would be something that would be like almost a pass on thing. Yep, and I'm and like when Din's about to die, maybe season three, he's like, "All right, now it's your turn." Well, he can't die and then continue the show. It's called the no, no, no. But they, but but wait, Baby Yoda's a Mandalorian now, so <laughs> he could be the Mandalorian with I the dark saber and seeing him be an adult. Like, yo, let's do it. Maybe, maybe. Um, that yeah. that's me predicting way down the line. But yeah, I actually thought that this was one of my favorite episodes, directed-wise. I thought the comedy worked really well. I thought the action sequences worked really well. Yeah. You know, Taika Waititi, uh, no, Waititi, Taika Waititi, uh, he's not my breakout director of the decade, but he's one of them. And I think that, you know, what he's done in this decade has really proved that he's one of the go-to guys if you want anything. I think yeah. I would love to see him do something with Star Wars. I just think he's a little bit too in demand for that at, at the moment. I, I think that we may see... I don't th- I don't know if we're going to see him in the, any more of The Mandalorian now that his character's gone. Uh, I would really be interested to see if um, Feige wanted to use him in a movie. To do a, to do a Star Wars movie, yeah. Look, man, him, Rick Famuyiwa, and Deborah Chow really did their things in this series and make me want to see them get their own Star Wars movie. Yeah, we know Deborah Chow's got her... Her project Hope going, I think. Uh, Rick, I think Rick Famuyiwa. This might end up being primarily what he does at the moment. I think it's going to be a lot of Filoni and Favreau mixed in 
with whoever they want to bring in for season two. But I think Rick Famu is going to be within that group. Same. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Um, I, I don't know who's spearheading Cassian. No, me neither. We, we yeah, don't we'll know much to, about... We'll have to look into that later, but that's that's the other thing where we're still iffy about and waiting for. But you know, for now, if you're in with Disney+, Plus, you, you, you want to check out the Clone Wars stuff because that's the next thing coming up in Mandalorian. We'll be back in the fall. Yeah, man. I, Disney+, Plus will find... Disney+, Plus, I think, will hit its stride fall 2020. You're going to have... Falcon Winter Soldier, you're going to have Mandalorian, you're going to be on the heels of Scarlet Witch, and then Loki, uh, Cassie Nandor, Hawkeye, like, fall 2020 starts when Disney Plus is going to really hit its stride, at least for people like us. For sure, I wonder if they're going to bump the price up. They might, I could be, I could believe it. I believe it too. Uh, but anyway, that kind of wraps things up for the Mandalorian. Reach out to us on Twitter if you do, if you want to talk about some more things, if you have some questions. Um, I definitely want to help answer some things yeah. for people who don't understand what's going on with the dark saber so, and all that stuff. Yeah, no man. Just with anything. And look, references like, like Schubert said, check out episode sixty nine point five for our rise of scar, our rise of Skywalker review. Definitely, and also the Mandalorian episode seven as well. And I, but, and I have to mention Tenant too because that Tenant trailer was dope. And if you want, so yeah, it was we amazing about that too. But it's time for the bros who binge awards. We are better than the Oscars and Emmys. It's the bros who binge awards. Yeah, we're better than the Oscars, better than the Emmys. Schubert, let's start off with yearly. We have best movie, best actor, best actress, best comic book movie, and best television show. Oh, and best director. I, I guess we should probably start from. Uh, no, we don't have best director for a year. Oh well, uh, I'm I'm gonna give a best director for a year. All right, well I don't have one. But That's anyway, uh, let's start with your best director then. Oh my! Oh my gosh! You're putting me on the spot. All right, best director for me. This is a tough one because my thing is, Ford and Ferrari was great. Uh, Scorsese, what he did with Irishman, great. Uh, it, I gotta go with, oh man, Quentin Tarantino with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. To me, I, I'm not giving it to um, the director of Joker, which is uh, his name. Todd is, Phillips. Yeah, I'm not giving it to Todd Phillips because it's kind of a recreation of a Martin Scorsese film. I'm going with Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, best director. What he did, the way he directed that film, the storytelling of that film was super great. The Irishman can't win best picture, but he's going to win best director for me. Um, I want to go ahead and give one now. I'm thinking about it. I want to touch on someone who had their hand in the big blockbuster, an Oscar contending movie, and also in TV. I want to mention Taika Waititi. Ah, uh, he, okay. he had Jojo Rabbit, which was a smash hit this year. He just had The Mandalorian, where he you know, had a heavy influence and directed an episode. And he was also a part of Avengers Endgame. He may not have been the main directorial team, but having him on the set definitely doesn't hurt. Yeah, no, I'm with you. That's a good pick for best director. All right, let's uh, start with best TV show because that's the easiest one. Yeah, for uh, I think for both of us, we have the same thing. It's going to be Watchmen, easy. I mean, what Lindelof and his team did was amazing. And, I, and honestly, I'm going to spoil this because I don't like to do this before, but 
We're going to have someone on this show who worked on Watchmen. I'm super excited to talk to her about her input in what she did. But what that show did, it it's arguably, it's not only best show of this year, it's arguably top 10 of the decade. Like, Watchmen had nine episodes. It fit, It gave us, it started questions in episode one, and it answered every question by the end of episode and posed every question it posed, it answered all loose ends were tied, but it still had you thinking, what if, where does this go? Where does this go? And it just, the writing, the attention to detail in the show, it worked. And I know people were like, well, Watchmen's a singular entity. How do you tell anything after it? This works. And this is to me, the only real sequel to Watchmen and the only real after. And DC has done, comics right now doomsday clock they've done before watchmen they've done after watchmen like none of those comics that they've worked have worked as well as this tv show and not only is it a great comic book television show but it's a great television show that's something that me and schubert said where yes it's supposed to be a superhero show but it transcended that yeah going away from the the comic book aspect of it i think as a television show it definitely stands amongst one of the best limited series kind of things you can give it uh, for to me it feels very, the way that I watched it felt very, felt very similar to when I watched True Detective season one. Or kind of Night way, Of for me, weekly. Or Night of. of. Or Night Of, yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, they definitely kept you on your toes, twists and turns, wanted you, you know, left cliffhangers making you want more, and kind of gave it to you all at the end in a way that kind of was illuminating and eye-opening. So, and the way that it, it touched on issues today but not feeling preachy, not yes. In, not it, it. It was heavy handed, but it, it didn't feel heavy handed. If that makes sense, like it got well, some it, deep stuff. Like because it, it wasn't our real world. It wasn't like oh well, this is what has to be done right now in our real world. This yeah. is what's going on in this, and this is the repercussions. And it just it, it where Watchmen was a representation of Cold War era America. This is a representation of 2019 America, and they did it in such a good way. Like gotta applaud them for that. And they and you could be a Republican or a Democrat, and they make fun of both sides. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they do a good job of towing the line politically. Um, it really didn't feel like to me, and I'm usually someone who really does not like the preachy stuff, and it, yeah. so it definitely did not feel that way to me. I felt like I was really just in their world, not so much. I could see the parallels to to ours, but it wasn't telling me it's like, oh yeah, this is like this is what's bad in our world. This yeah, is what exactly. has to be done. It was. Um, it, it just did such a good job. Any uh, runners ups? Uh, I know you got one. You might as well say, it. yeah. I know you want to say it. You Star Wars shill. <laughs> My runner-up is the boys. Let me let me give Seth Rogen his props. Him and Amazon. That show was so damn good, man. Like it it came as the surprise hit of 2020. Like. Mandal I mean, Watchmen was my most anticipated of 2020, but when the boys just hit as well as I did, and for me to watch every episode in one night, it speaks to how good and how entertaining that show had me. Carl Urban needs more roles. He was magnificent in that. We got uh, Jack Quaid, Dennis Quaid's son. Great in this. I can't wait for season two. I got to give a runner-up to the boys. Uh, and I guess one that's kind of like at, out there that we definitely wouldn't talk about and haven't really talked about much on the show that would be a runner-up for me was the show Sex Education on Netflix. came out this year. It was a really really fun comedy, British comedy. Uh, really touched in a, a lot of aspects of real life and growing up and, um, and really kind of played to the whole idea of high school sex and really interesting. It was a, it was a, it was a really... I got to shout out Euphoria. Euphoria was dope. 
I never saw you all before. It wasn't. Oh yeah, you gotta watch it, man. My girlfriend watched it. I got into it, and then I had to watch it by myself because she watched it before I did. Super good show. All right. Well, that's uh, the best TV shows that we had. And shout out year. to Titans. Titans did a good job. It just didn't finish well. Yeah, I had it on my list. I was like, I just don't know. But yeah, anyway. it's it's not it's not top, but it's it was a great show for this year. I gotta let's, give it some love. Let's go ahead and do comic book movie. Okay, cool. You want to go first? Yeah, for me, comic book movie of the year. Um, I think just because of the meaning behind it and the gravity, uh, it would have to be Endgame. Just just because of that factor. I mean, it was it was a a culmination film. I mean, it's something I'm that I thought you were gonna pick something else. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, like, I just think that uh, it, it just the movie itself deserves the props that it gives as a uh, as how it ended an arc in um in Marvel. So I mean I think that it I think it deserves to get a little bit of credit here. Okay. Um, I'm not hating and, on that. I, I thought you were gonna say Shazam. Because I I know that was low key your favorite comic book movie. Yeah, it was definitely my favorite one off comic book movie of the year. Like I think of uh, a singular character story. Um I just uh I, I think that Shazam has I, I think yeah I think uh we gotta show some love to Marvel and I think there's more to come with Shazam. I wanna see I want to see more with it, where I think Marvel, I think they deserve to get some props because they're not going to get them in the next few years. So, Well, I'm glad you did that, but to me, the best comic book movie, and we talked about this off air. I'm going to give a little thing because Schubert knew I was going to say this, and we both didn't want to say the same thing. But it's Joker, man. What Joker did, me and him both had our, 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 our um, what's the word, our reservations going in. But what that movie did left everybody's jaw on the ground. Yes, Endgame was a culmination film, but this was an immaculate film. Endgame had problems. This film just, it, it left you shocked at every turn, and it wasn't that you were rooting for the guy. You were watching a man go down the depth of disparity and get crazier and crazier and crazier. It was a, a, it was a commentary on mental health. A well, it's, it's one of those things where when we were talking about this off, off air, I'm wondering, I'm like, Lyndon, how do you want to compare this into a comic book movie? Because to me, I feel like it's, it transcends the comic book genre in itself. Like it's definitely a comic book movie, but it's not beholden to its comic book roots. No, not at all. And but and that's why I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock it for that because I feel like it does the same thing Logan does, where Logan was more to its comic book roots, but it transcends the genre. Dark Knight was one of those that transcends the genre more. Where Dark Knight's super tied into its roots, Logan breaks away a little bit more, and Joker breaks clean away. And I gotta give it props for that. Yeah, it just gives you the idea of like what you expect the idea of a comic movie, and kind of flips it on its head, kind of similar yeah. to what Watchmen did when it first came out. Exactly, and it's like. It 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 get, it breathed some new fresh air into co the comic book genre because I don't believe in superhero fatigue, but there's critics and there's people who are like, yeah, I'm sick of superhero movies. Well, if you're sick of them, cool, but you're still there every time one comes out, and you still love it. And Joker br gave a breath of fresh air into the genre in a similar fashion that Logan did. Yeah, I agree with that. I think um, I, I definitely think that Joker is one of the more solid films in general of the year. That's why I wouldn't. It's just one of those things where when I think of comic book movies, I don't even think about it because it's no, just like, like, like I said, it just kind of tr transcends the genre for me. Um, so let's move on to the next one. What do you want to do next? Uh, we can do actress. All right. Actress. Actress of the year. Uh, it's, it's a pretty tough one for me because you can go 
uh, you you go with a lot of different people. I mean, I mentioned Regina King as someone that I really liked. That had a great decade. Um, mm-hmm. But year, we're talking just this year. Year? Yeah, we're talking just this year. I, I know who I'm know. going. Go ahead and go with. All right, years. I'm going. With, I didn't like the movie. The movie, I'm not going to give credit, but what this lady did in her performance was immaculate. She was the best part of this movie. She gave the best performance of the year. I'm going with Lapita Nyong'o in Us. Okay, well, that was where I was going to go, so now I'm definitely (laughs) screwed. (laughs) I can give a backup, but you can talk about Lapita Nyong'o. I also give uh, Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story a lot, a lot of love. Because that was probably the best I've ever seen Scarlett Johansson. But would Regina... Actually, I got got it now. Okay, well, Um, what... For me... Oh, well, let, me, think... let me finish Lapita Nyong'o real quick. Okay. I, I jumped to Scarlett to let you talk more about Lapita, but what Lapita did, man, the way she played two characters and just her facial expressions to the way she managed her voice control to the way she just made you believe that she was this person. The rest of the movie doesn't work well for me, but without Lapita Nyong'o, this movie's a bummer, a bust. She just gave an amazing, amazing performance. By Child the way, if you, if you want to talk about Justice for Rose Tico, Justice for Maz, because Lupita <laughs> Nyong'o was wasted in that trilogy. Yeah, she was. She's completely wasted. Like, yeah. that, that character should have had more to do. If we're talking about side characters that needed more to do, like, give me a break. Okay, anyway. <laughs> um, for me, I think uh, someone who had a really great year is Anna DeArmas. Ooh. You know, what she... What she did with Knives Out really kind of set her apart and has given her a lot more opportunities as we've seen in the Hollywood space. I think this was one of these years that we'll look back and be like, you know, Anna DeArmas really kind of broke out at the end of this decade. And, um, you know, she was she was in a few movies this year, uncredited in Yesterday, but she was in uh, The Informer, Wasp Network, and Knives Out. But uh, Knives Out definitely being that starring thing. Uh, so Anna Darmus for me would be the actor actress of the year that I enjoyed. All right, I think I think Scarlet is a good is a good one to put in there as well. I think yeah, she Scarlett definitely did deserves the recognition because of what she did in Endgame, what she did in Jojo Rabbit, and what she did with Marriage Story. Marriage so, Story was the best thing I've ever seen Scarlett Johansson do. Man, she made me believe it from end to end. Yeah, Adam Driver was the 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 best part of that film, but. Scarlett Johansson ha- handled her business and went toe to toe with that man, bro. I like also think this is this kind of stretch of years from 2018 to 2020 will really be a kind of a rise of Scarlett Johansson. I think since Ghost of the Shell, we've kind of really seen her do her become thing. become a, a more giant actress in the space. Like I think that she's kind of becoming one of these go tos now. So good for Scarlett Johansson. 100%. Let's jump to Best Actors. You can start us off, Schubert, since I started us off this time. Best Actor of the Year. I will have to go with Adam Driver. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Adam Driver, for what he did in The Last Jedi. Again, he's nominated for Marriage Story. Amazing. Um, so I think that Adam Driver really closed out the year strong and has set him up for maybe a good award season. So I'd go with Adam Driver. What Adam Driver did in Marriage Story was just, it, it, it made me damn near want to cry, man. Like, that was, it just, it broke my heart to see this marriage just crumble apart and to see what, how the system treats men, how the system treats women. It was just, it, and he made you buy every bit of it. It was just so heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching. I understand why you give him Best Actor. But for me, you know where we going with this, dog. I'm going with the boy. Joaquin Phoenix, 
arguably the best Joker we've ever seen. I'm sorry, Heath. What Joaquin did was absolutely phenomenal to where the the um Tourette's laughing, the 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 dancing, the tics, everything from his facial expressions to him, like we said, seeing a man get beaten down and getting into the depths and just absolutely going insane to when he's Joker. The scene that really just takes it away from me is when he's giving his speech and then shoots uh Robert De Niro and is just like, whoa. And then after that, when he's just standing on top of the car and he does the blood and he puts it over his thing and he makes a smile. I was just like, boy, this is great, great acting. I never saw Joaquin Phoenix. I only saw Arthur Fleck, the Joker. And that's what a good actor does, makes you buy his story through and through. And no other actor, in my opinion, could have pulled this off like Joaquin. And he deserves all the praise. He is, to me, the best actor of the year. That's a good one. I mean, Joaquin definitely had a phenomenal showing in Joker. Uh I mean, I think that he's one of those guys that does method acting better than anyone. Yeah. He keeps the sanity with it. So good for him. Good for Joaquin, man. That was like, so I love both of our choices for that because both dudes are going to, both dudes deserve praise. Like, they both movies were, both actors had an amazing year. Let's get to best movie of the year. Shuby, you can start us off. Okay. So my best movie of the year, um, just, uh, it really just was the best movie that I felt like I saw when I was sitting in the theater at the at the festival was Jojo Rabbit. I mean, I think oh, okay. just everything that it gave me sitting in there. And it's also because like I do I am really interested in that time period. And it just gives you a totally different kind of perspective on what it would have been like in a more lighthearted way. What Taika Waititi did, um, what he does as a director really kind of keeps keeps you. Um, it give it gives you dark themes, but does presents them to you in a way that are are way more uh, comprehensible, some way more easier to understand, and to and to understand the gravity and the weight, but also not feel like you're that you're it's tearing you inside. I, I just feel like uh, Jojo Rabbit is the quintessential Taika Waititi movie that you're gonna get from him. Um, and it makes me very confident in what he has to do in the next decade. I'm so shocked you didn't. You, I thought you were going to give that one to Joker, man. No Joker love from Shuby. Um, I don't. I just don't know if it's the best. I, I don't know if you could say it's the best movie of the year based on what the complaint is about originality. Mm, like okay. the fact that it's almost a rehash of a Martin Scorsese film. Um, and and honestly. Joaquin Phoenix's performance reminds me a lot of the movie that he did with her. her. So mm-hmm. it's like, I've kind of seen it before. It, not that I'm saying that Joker was bad because it definitely was new in its own way, but you know, it's, it's, it's there's too many things that kind of seem like not a rehash, but some themes that I've seen before where Jojo Rabbit was something that I didn't know what to expect. And it was a, a, a total surprise. All right, all right, I feel you, I feel you. I'm not going to hate on you, pick. That's your pick, personal opinion. I'm going best movie. I gave enough love to Joker, although, to me, the pick that I, I'm picking is 1A and 1B. Joker could have damn well been the best movie of the year for me. But I'm going with Ford and Ferrari, Christian Bale, Matt Damon. What those two actors did, I was enthralled from the beginning to the ending. I love history where I can learn something new. The story of of Ford challenging Ferrari, I believed it. I love a good racing film. To me, it was everything Rush was, but better. And I loved Christian Bale's performance, but to me, Matt Damon absolutely killed it. I loved him. I loved John Barenthal in it. 
this film just was one of those films that had me believing every bit of it. Originality, great story, great direction. Got to shout out James Mangold for that. He did a damn good job. This was just such a good film. It's it's it just this is what people think of when they want to go to the movies. This is one of those. This is a movie movie. Like it is, it 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 tells a story in a compelling way, and it has heart. It has romance. It has sadness. It has a great ending. It's everything you want for in a movie, and then some. And to me, it's 1A where Joker's right behind it, 1B. And if you ask me tomorrow, I could switch it where Joker's 1A, 1B. But Ford and Ferrari is my movie of the year. Yeah, I really wish I would have saw that. Great movie. That was the one thing I regret. My regret of the year. All right, word. Well, so my movie of the year is Ford and Ferrari. Schubert's movie of the year is is Jojo Rabbit. My actor of the year is Joaquin Phoenix. Schubert's actor of the year is Adam Driver. My actress of the year is Lupita Nyong'o. Schubert's actress of the year is Anna de Armas. My with comic- us both saying Scarlett Johansson is honorable. Yeah, facts. My comic book movie of the year is Joker. Schubert's is Endgame. Our TV show we both agree on is Watchmen. And our director Schubert has Taika Waititi. And my director is Martin Scorsese. Let's jump into the decade. Schubert, let's start off with, I like this category a lot, breakout director of the decade. Um, I, you know, breakout is kind of a weird sort of term. Like it's not, I'm, the person I'm going to say isn't someone that's new to the game, but definitely put out movies this decade that I've thoroughly enjoyed. And that would have to be Quentin Tarantino. Oh, see, I was, see, you go in a different direction than I went because I went legit breakout. Yeah, I understand. And that was kind of the direction that I was hoping to get to as well, but I didn't feel like there was someone that broke out onto the scene that provided us with a, a repertoire of movies oh, I got that were... You. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. Whenever, But Quentin Tarantino, tell, tell him... Tell, well, give, for Quentin Tarantino, the, the, the big three movies that he did this year were Django, Django Unchained, Hateful Eight, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hateful Eight, of course, being the, the weaker one in the bunch, but I thought it was a really interesting concept and a good movie. So I, I, I dig what he did with that, and J- Django Unchained is one of my favorite movies of my life. So the, I'm definitely really high on that. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was my, th- was my fourth favorite movie of the year. So For, for me, I'm, when I'm going breakout, because if you're asking me best director of the decade, I'm going Quentin Tarantino, because Dunkirk, Interstellar, Dark Knight Rises, Inception. But for I, me, yeah, I agree with that. For me, b- best breakout director, I'm going with a director who gave us smashes, who changed the pendulum and put his name in that in that category. Greta Gertwig, we mentioned her before. She had a great, great run with uh with Lady Bird Lady with Bird. Uh, Lady Bird, Little Women. She did a good job, but I'm not going with her. You could say Damien Chazelle with uh Whiplash. With Whiplash as well as La La Land. I'm not going with him. And My- first man. Yeah, you could say Taika Waititi with We Do in the Shadows, Hunt for the Wilder People, Thor Ragnarok, Jojo Rabbit, not going with him. Jordan Peele had an amazing breakout with us and uh, Get yeah. Out, not going with him. My guy Ryan Coogler, Black Panther, Fruvel Station, both creeds, I'm not going with him. I'm going with Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve did Prisoners in 2013, Sicario in 2015, Arrival in 2016, and Blade Runner 2049 in 2017. That list of movies is amazing. You see Anna de Armas, you see Ryan Gosling, you see Amy Adams, you see Benicio del Toro, you see Christian, I mean, uh, not Christian Bale, you see uh, Hugh Jackman, you see all these amazing actors that this guy has worked with. You see different styles of movies. 
prisoners, this gritty, gritty crime thriller, Sicario, this this commentary on the uh, cartel and drug culture and the war on drugs in America. You see a rival discussing humanity and the and and how humans need to come together. And then you get Blade Runner, this sequel to this cult classic that, in my opinion, is just as good as the first one, if not better. Which is a discussion on what it means to be a human. This man has had a run, and I'm so excited for his Dune movie and to see everything he's doing in the future. But for me, when you say the best breakout director of the 2010s, it's, it has to be Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, the only reason I couldn't go with him is that I did not see Prisoners. Oh, my... You, Prisoners is probably the best of the three, of the four. Prisoners yeah. is fucking amazing. Yo, shout out to our boy Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackson. You gotta watch that movie. That movie's fucking amazing. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't get to, to get to catch that movie. But Man. I definitely had him on my radar. I thought he, I, I honestly thought that he had uh, films earlier than that. But now that I'm looking back, he did not. So he definitely did step out on the scene this decade. Denis Villeneuve, man, that's that's the boy. So shout out to Denis. And all right, let's go to uh, best shows of the decade. I think you should start that one because that's like I still don't know which I'm going with. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do for the decade. We're gonna do a few. Right. Um, and for me, I put the, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel in there because I feel like it kind of uh, really broke. I think it broke through a glass ceiling for Amazon, honestly, um, along with along with Fleabag. So I'm going to give that to, to Mrs. Maisel. Um, I, I mentioned Atlanta earlier on, but I'm not going to mention it here. I think um, oh, I, I was going to mention you. Could, I'll mention it for you. I got you. I think Stranger Things really kind of hit a stride this year, um, became a, a pretty a pretty big hit amongst this decade uh, so i would put stranger things on that list and i would also add in as a for an animated element rick and morty oh nice 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 i like i like all your picks to me game of thrones we gotta i mean like Didn't, it's it was it was just this decade right i'm pretty i feel like it yeah on. i think it yeah yeah it did it did so I should have put that in there too. I I got worried and nervous that it started in like '09 or something. Yeah, I know. get years wrong. First episode 2011, last episode 20, 2019. Yeah. Yes, it, yes, it didn't end well, but Game of Thrones is definitely one of the best shows of the decade. I mean, it owned the decade. Yes, it did. Like it, it one hundred percent owned the decade. Gotta go with Game of Thrones. I'm also going with uh Atlanta. Atlanta had a great year with comedy and everything. With a great year starting 2016, I'm also gonna go with uh, Rick and Morty. Like, no, no, I'm not gonna go with Rick and Morty. I'm gonna change it for something that ran the decade. And to me, passed up Family Guy, passed up American Dad, passed up all the fam. It it it, it took the family dynamic of a show and, and brought me something fresh, and not necessarily the father that's this drunk, like has to be bombastic. It, they gave us a lovable father in Bob's Burgers. To me. Bob's on Burgers is one of the best animated sh comedies of the decade, if not the best. So I got Game of Thrones, Bob's Burgers, Atlanta. I'm also going to show some love to Broad City. Shout out to yes. the girls of Broad City. That was an amazing comedy of the decade. Uh, I'm also going to say It's Always Sunny. That was an amazing, but that, I mean, that it, went it over multiple years. Yeah. Yeah. Transcends. No, you're absolutely right. Um, for, for me, a couple ones that I, you know, think that are deserve mentioning is Veep. Uh, Veep was one of the greatest shows of, on HBO this, this decade. And yeah. uh, I think, you know, Key and Peele deserves a little bit of recognition as well for what it did. Oh, and sketch comedy. Yeah. 
Yeah, Hakeem Peel. I'm also going to say Watchmen, man. Watchmen deserves it for uh, action shows of the decade. What it did, like we said, it's best of the year, and I, I got to mention it for best of the decade. I'm um, trying to think. Are there any other? Like, there's, there's one that I would mention just because, like, I thought it was really fun and kind of opened up the idea of doing these uh, documentary, these false documentaries, and that was American Vandal. I think American Vandal came out and really showed you a new idea of how you could take the documentary thing and make it bombastic and uh, and wild and and kind of make it its own thing. So I really think that that, that show really did something for, especially in the Netflix space too. I think. Oh, any Parks of the and movies, Rec. Oh yeah. Parks and Rec. Yeah. That was, that was only a dec- decade, but season one. Yeah. And, and honestly, you're not missing anything with season no. one. And I'm also going to say breaking bad that deserves needs to, uh, but I'm counting episodes from 2010. So, I mean, it, that's why I'm not saying it with our top ones, but Breaking Bad definitely needs love. But for me... There, my, there's some other ones, but some of them are just seasons by season to me. Yeah. and But for me, my top ones, Bob's Burgers, Game of Thrones, Atlanta, uh, Parks and Rec, and uh, Watchmen. Those, to me, are the best of the decade. Schubert, you can well, say yours again. Uh, well, I'll, yeah. So I had Rick and Morty, um, Mrs. Maisel, Stranger Things, Veep, and Kim Peel. Yeah, nice. All great shows of the decade. Let's jump to actresses of the decade. All right, actresses of the decade. Want me to start this one? Yeah, go ahead. All right, I got you, I got you. Uh, For me, I'm going with a woman. I'm going to tell you her, because I'm not going to take Schubert's, but Regina King definitely is an actress of the decade. But my top one for me... It starts off with her in 2010, where she played in The Fighter. And then you jump to, she did a Muppet show. Then you jump to, uh, she was Lois Lane. She was Amy and her. She was Sydney Prosser in American Hustle. She was uh, Louise Banks in Arrival. She was Susan Morrow in Nocturnal Animals. And she was Lynn Cheney in Vice. I'm going with the amazing Amy Adams. What a decade that Amy Adams had. She literally became my favorite actress after move, after hit after hit to the point where when Nocturnal Animals came around, I was like, I'm watching it just because it's Amy Adams. Because Hustlers, uh, because American Hustle came out. I loved her as Lois Lane. I lo- uh, loved her in uh, Arrival. And I was like, I got to watch her in Sharp Objects and Nocturnal Animals because it's Amy Adams. And she killed every last performance. To me, she is one of the best actresses of the decade. Yeah, she was also in that Clint Eastwood movie, Trouble with the Curve, too. Yeah. Also, another actress that I got to throw out there is the amazing Viola Davis. Yeah, Viola Davis definitely is, for what she did with How to Get Away with Murder. Yep. Um, a few of her other films that I can't From you know, How, I mean, How to Get Away with Murder, Widows. Uh, Widows. Uh, she she was in Suicide Squad, which she killed. Not gonna say that's a great one, but she was Fences. Fences was amazing. Um, the Help. The Help which, did come out which, the second. Which, okay. Twenty Eleven. Um, I'm trying to think of any others. Uh, I really Chris, liked her. In, she was in, in Prisoners, the, and she was amazing in Prisoners. I really liked her in this in the recent movie I saw over the film festival, um, Troop Zero. I mean, yeah. She she had she definitely had a great decade. But How to Get Away with Murder, Fences, uh, Prisoners, and, and uh, Widows, great, great performances by Viola Davis. Got to give her, oh, and, and The Help, got to give her her props. 
that's my like those are my you got one more uh you want me to give you one more um am i gonna go with emma stone i'm trying to see that she have like a a great decade i mean of course before we could say of course we could say meryl streep um yeah i'll go i'll go with i'll go with emma stone because emma stone did have a great decade starting out with easy a which was like this with was like this funny movie and then she get the help you get friends with benefits you get crazy stupid love you get the you get Birdman, you get uh, The Interview, you get uh, Aloha, which I thought she did a, a I, decent job. I, now, amazing, The Amazing Spider-Man may not have been good, but I didn't think that she was bad as Gwen Stacy. No, I thought she was a great Gwen Stacy. La La Land, she killed it, and then Battle of the Sexes. Yeah, so she she had a good a good one, and also brought back Zombie Land. I don't know how that went yet, though. Yep, so I got Emma Stone, Viola Davis, and my number one, Amy Adams. Schubert, I didn't want to take yours because that lady had an amazing year, so you can jump in. Well, I had already mentioned her, so I wasn't going to re-mention it, but I was, yeah, Regina King definitely is is on our list for sure. Um, my One of the, uh, the other ladies that I have for, for me are um, Tiffany Haddish. Ooh, I think great. Tiffany Haddish had a remarkable decade, some an unsung hero of the decade because she may not have been in these movies that are, you know, highbrow, as I like to say, with, you know, the elites who think that, you know, cinema, whatever. <laughs> but like Tiffany Haddish did a really great job in becoming a breakout actress and star in Hollywood. Um, Amelia Clark, I think she did. I, I really oh, loved, yeah. loved what she did in Solo. Um, there's a, another film that I can't remember that people really enjoyed her in, and then of course with Game of Thrones, I feel oh, like she Deus really Ex was. Machina. She was in. She, she was in. It was no. I'm thinking of that's someone else. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So Amelia Clark would be one for me, and the third one besides Regina King is uh, Brie Larson. Ooh, Brie Larson had a good year. Some good years. Yeah, Brie Larson became you know the first Marvel female superhero to have her own film. This year, she had she had a lot of success for Room. She had um, she was in Twenty One Jump Street, which was in this decade. Yeah, she had you know other appearances in movies like Trainwreck. She had recurring roles in some other TV shows as well. Um, so I, I would have to put Brie Larson in there. No, that's solid. That that's solid. So those are our actresses. Our main ones are Amy Adams and Regina King. We got Viola Davis. We got Tiffany Haddish. We got Emma Stone, and we got uh, oh, I just I just forgot who you just said. My goodness, Brie Larson. Brie Larson. Yes, great, great actresses. They killed it. Let's jump into the actor because this is difficult, brother. This is difficult. They had some good acting performances this decade. Yeah, they definitely did, and I think that you know. There's a good bit of people that we could go go in and talk about. One name that I don't know. Uh, I'm going to name one that is definitely one of the top actors of the decade, Tom Hardy. Ooh, okay. Well, let's let's go back and forth because I don't want – let's go back and forth. So you got okay. Tom Hardy. The, to me, this man ran the decade. I'm going with Christian Bale. Dick Cheney, he was in The Big Short, American Hustle, Bruce Wayne, and The Fighter, and as well as Ford and Ferrari. I got Christian Bale. Uh, to mention my, my Tom Hardy stuff, you know, he was in Inception, he was in Dark Knight Rises, he was in Mad Max Fury Road. Nice. Uh, you know, he had a recurring role on Peaky Blinders, he was Bad. in Dunkirk, he was in Venom, he was in Revenant. You know, he had an incredible decade and was just in a lot of incredible films. Lawless was also a really good one that I enjoyed. No, I'm with you. He had a great, he had a great, great decade. All right, who you going next? The Rock. 
Who? Oh, The Rock. Oh, you 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 brought a, a, a box office guy. Okay. Yeah, I think The Rock deserves to, to deserves the credit that he's due. I mean, he has become one of the it guys in Hollywood. Yeah, uh, no, yes. So I mean, most of the big box office films that you're going to find are The Rock. Now, granted, not all of his films are amazing. <laughs> amazing. But he's someone that goes into the box office and people want to see him. And I think that some movies that he did this year were surprises. Uh, Central that, Intelligence with, that movie. he did with Kevin Hart. I've actually thought that was a really great movie. I've, Jumanji with Kevin Hart. I think that them as a team really kind of stepped up. And that's why I kind of include Kevin Hart in this as well. I think Kevin Hart also had an incredible decade, minus a few things in his personal life. But... <laughs> Uh, on screen, Kevin Hart had a, a very good decade. No, and he did. Yeah. So no, I kind of put I kind of put them together because a lot of their success came together. All right, I'm not hating on that. All right, for me next, I'm going with the man Leonardo DiCaprio. Let me tell you what DiCaprio did this decade. He did Shutter Island, Inception. I'm not gonna talk about Jay Edgar because that movie was whatever. Django Unchained, The Great Gatsby. He was Jordan Belford in The Wolf of Wall Street. He had The Revenant. He had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't come out quite often, but he he had an amazing decade. Um, I think uh, the next one that I have now is going to steal one of yours. All and, right, go um, ahead. It's Ryan Gosling. Ooh, that I I'm glad you took him because I wasn't even I didn't even think about think about him till just now. You know, Ryan Gosling was in Drive, which I most recently amazing. saw. It was a very good movie. Crazy Stupid Love. Who he had a very good role in that movie. Um, he was also in The Nice Guys. La yeah. La Land. Oh my gosh, the nice guys was phenomenal. Blade Runner 2049. So, mm. you know, Ryan Gosling had himself a good decade as well. Yes, he did. My goodness. Good call on Ryan on uh, Ryan Gosling. Uh next up, I got our boy, uh Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal had a great decade starting off in the 2010s. It was Prince of Persia, trash movie, but he bounced back. He goes End of Watch, Prisoners, uh Nightcrawler, Southpaw. Nocturnal Animals, Oakja, uh, <laughs> Velvet Buzzsaw, Spider-Man Far From Home. Jake Gyllenhaal had a great decade. Yeah, didn't he do some stuff behind the scenes as well, too? Yeah, he worked on some like production stuff as well. Yeah, so I mean, he he ended up doing a lot of really great things. Um, just just because like it's worth mentioning, and I don't know if you're gonna say it, but my actor of the year, Adam Driver, is also one of the actors of the decade. He had a great he really, decade. He broke out on the scene. Uh, yes, yes from he did. Star Wars, The Black Klansman, uh, to a lot of the films that he did this year, like Marriage, like Marriage Story. Um, Adam Driver just was in a lot of really big time films. He was in a Scorsese film in Silence. Yeah, he uh, was. He did The Dead Don't Die, which was an interesting film. And I, I mentioned Black Klansman that he was in. Uh, Logan Lucky was another movie that he was okay and i don't know if it was necessarily the best adam driver performance but yeah he he kind of really took to the scene this decade especially when uh star wars rolled around and uh girls when yeah uh, i got three more stupid after this i got three more i gotta get you got three more okay we'll go ahead and do one robert downey jr man great decade the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Tony Stark. He was Sherlock Holmes. He was in Due Date, a comedy, as well as The Judge. Robert Downey Jr. had an amazing decade. All right. Um, I got one that is for behind the camera and in front of the camera. Jonah Hill. 
Ooh, nice. I like that. Uh, Jonah Hill did a lot of good in front of the camera. He was in the twenty, the Twenty One Jump Street movie. Um, he was in the Lego movie. He was in Wolf of Wall Street. He was. Uh, he had small roles like in that Lego movie, but also a small role in Django and Shane that people remember. This uh, movie, he, cha- this decade, changed Jonah Hill's career. I mean, he started out with Moneyball, which really kind of set the page for him as more of a, a marquee actor. You know, coming out for Wall Street then, and then he did his comedy bag with the the 21 22 jump street but then he comes back with war dogs um, yeah great he i really loved his miniseries maniac and then he goes behind the camera and puts together one of my favorite movies of the decade not one that i put on eh, actually it might be on my list when we get to it but mid 90s mid 90s great no jonah hill i love that pick that that is a great one i have another one i got idris elba Shout out to my brother Idris. Idris had a great decade. He's he he started off with uh, a TV show. This is which really put me on Idris with the 2010s Luther, which to me is one of the best TV shows of the decade in terms of detective TV shows. He played DCI John Luther. He also was in this is kind of my blockbuster guy. He was in Zootopia, which a great voice. Shere Khan in the Jungle Book. He was uh, as well as in uh, Molly's Game. He was in Thor Ragnarok. He was in the Thor series. He was in, uh, I'm trying to see all of Idris's other movies. I'm trying to pull them up real quick. He was in uh, Hobbs and Shaw. He did a good job. Beast of No Nation. He did a good job. That was like his critical success kind of uh, run. He was in Prometheus. He was in uh, Takers. He was also in, um, yeah, I think that's all of the 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 smashers of Idris Elba, but Idris Elba's kind of my blockbuster guy who kind of really bounced on the scene this decade. All right. Um the next guy I think needs to be said and I feel like people would get on to us if we did not mention him for having a great decade, but it would be Bradley Cooper. Ah, that was my last one. All right. <laughs> all right, so well, we're done. We <laughs> that was my last one. Bradley did Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle, American Sniper, A Star Hangover is Born. Part two. Yeah. Hangover part three. And he was at Rocket Raccoon. Rocket he, Raccoon, yeah. He had an amazing decade. He really did. And um he he was in a lot of he was in a lot of different stuff. And he yeah, really he kind of spread himself around and it was one of those things where he didn't really and he also did things behind the camera as well, you know? Yep. That's, that's part of the thing like you know it's one thing to be able to be a breakout star in front of the camera but when you can go and and you know get in your director bag and do something like you did with a star is born and come up with like you know, a really landmark film in this decade and be the director and the star of it i think that's a really big deal no i'm with you so we got the rock we got leo we got uh adam driver we got christian bale we got ryan gosling we got bradley cooper we got idris elba we got robert downey jr we got who who else i didn't say jake gyllenhaal like we got a lot of good actors of this decade yeah there was um there was one guy that i was gonna mention but i didn't know what direction you were gonna go with I, i wanted to make sure that bradley cooper got in there um but it was a it was a McConaughey. I thought uh, McConaughey had had an interesting decade because yeah. it was the McConaissance, exactly. You know, he he really kind of came back into uh, into prominence, like with movies this- like yeah, he did, and you know, with movies like Interstellar, uh, yep. Mud, um, and, and then Fox doing Club. what he Dallas Buyers Club. You know Lincoln what he was Warrior. able to do in the TV space with True Detective True. season one. 
Yes. No. So he I, had a great I think game. Matthew McConaughey did a really good job for his career. No, I'm with you. So shout. Oh, and shout out to Mahershala Ali because he had a great decade as well. Definitely. With uh, his True Detective, Hidden Figures, Green Book, Moonlight, Hunger Games, like Mahershala Ali was was a breakout actor this decade as well. Since we did throw out a lot of guy names, one uh, female name that I think we forgot to two female names that really we forgot to mention, and I feel bad about it is uh, Charlize Theron. Mm, okay. And uh, Margot Robbie. Yeah, big. Damn, big decades for those two ladies. So, you, you know, add those to your list. I know you guys are probably cursing us already for forgetting them, but I didn't forget. <laughs> All right. So uh, next up, we got the movies. Be- best movies. It's time to get to the big one. So let's just go back and forth. Schubert, you can start us off. All right. Well, I'm going to actually give you some from uh, from every year. I did okay. a list where I did uh, a few from every year. So. In, uh, in 2010, I'd say my favorite film was Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Ooh, okay. Um, in 2011, my, my favorite movie was... Um, going back uh, now, I, w- I would throw Drive up in the mix, but f- for me, it was Super 8. Um, Ooh. T- uh, 2012 was Django Unchained. No questions asked about that one. But they also had... A, a co- really. It was a really great year for movies. Perks of being... a uh, Wildflower was in that year as well. Silver Lining Playbook and Argo, all very good movies. Um, 2013, my favorite movie that year was Rush. Ah, okay. Um, w- which is really high up there with Wolf of Wall Street. I assume that you would put Wolf of Wall Street in there, which is why I went with Rush. Um, 2014, Whiplash. Ah, okay. Uh, 2015, Mad Max. 2016 for me was uh, Arrival. Okay. Uh, 2017 was Baby Driver, personally. Or actually, no, I'm going to go with Wonder Woman for 2017. Okay. Uh, tw- 2018 was Black Klansman. Uh, it, it's a hard one because, like, mid-90s and Spider-Verse are up there, too. And I said yeah. 2019 Jojo Rabbit. Okay, cool, cool. I like all of yours. You had any honorable mention before I get started? Uh, you know, mid-90s Spider-Verse. Um Oh, Rogue One, I thought was the best Star Wars movie of the decade. Definitely was. And I think one of the most interesting movies, and I, I just, I just want to call it an interesting movie of the decade when it came to comic book stuff. I thought X Men: Days of Future Past was one of the most unique movies that I'd seen. Oh, best, arguably one of the best X Men movies, if not the best X Men movie. Yeah, so I really think that Days of Future Past is one up there in X-Men. What it was able to do with combining the old and the new was really incredible, and I loved it. All right, cool. For me, 2010, I have the social network. We get Jesse. We get, um, uh, what's his um, I'm Jesse God, Eisenberg. Yeah, we get Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, and um, the, two, the dude who played the twins, who everybody wants cool to be. The boss twins. Yeah, uh, what's his name? My goodness, I'm looking at him. But it's uh, he, he burst on the scene. I got that social network in Inception for the 2010, uh, for the best movie of 2010. For 2011, this was hard, but Schubert said mine. I went with Drive. Not that many good movies that came out that year, but Drive to me was my absolute favorite. In 2012, this was tough because this was Django, this was Argo, this was uh, Lincoln, this was that year, and I knew Schubert was going to go with Django, so I went with Argo with Ben Affleck, the directed movie. That was a great one. That was an amazing movie. That was my number two. 
And my number two is End of Watch. Shout out to my guy uh, who did uh, David Ayer because people want to give him a lot of crap for uh, Suicide Squad, but End of Watch was amazing. But to me, the best movie of 2012 was Argo. Jumping to 2013, I went with Wolf of Wall Street with the second best being American Hustle. For 2014, I went with Grand Budapest Hotel with uh, Gone Girl being a close second. Uh, and then I had another honorable mention of this year with Nightcrawler. So to me, Budapest Hotel, Gone Girl, and Nightcrawler were the best of 2014. Of 2015, did you say Mad Max Fury Road? Yes. Damn, all right, I'm going to say a different one. Uh, I'll go with Sicario, uh, Denis Villeneuve, Emily Blunt, Benicio Del Toro. Solid, solid movie. And then Spotlight with a close second. But also I want to shout out Inside Out. Great, great animated movie that year. Super, super solid. When did Zootopia come out, Schubert? I don't remember. Uh, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look, look that up because because yeah, yeah, look that up going. for me. 2015. So like I, I said. Oh, by, by the way, Army Hammer was the name you were looking for. Yeah, Army Hammer. So 2015 best movies I got. Sicario. 2016 Spot was Zootopia. All right. So jump into 2016. Zootopia is up there for me. And uh, to me, this movie did a lot of good stuff in the black community, and it asked questions. I got to show love to Moonlight. That was a really, really good movie as well as I have Arrival. So for 2016, my best movies are Arrival, Moonlight, and Zootopia. But shout out to Hella High Water because that was a great, great movie. In 2017, oh, man. I said I'm, Wonder Woman. I know you said Wonder Woman. Oh, Wonder Woman was amazing. Shout out to freaking Wonder Woman. I'm going with Logan and uh, Blade Runner 2049. But shout out to Robert Pattinson because Good Time came out, and that was a really, really good movie with the Sadafi brothers. Super, super dope. It was a really great year for movies. Yeah, it was. It really was. For 2018, I'm going with mid-'90s and Black Klansmen. Me and Schubert kind of feel the same way about that. And for I mean, for 2018. And then for 2019, my best movie of the year is Ford and Ferrari, Joker, and The Irishman. Yeah, like if if we were gonna do the three decade, like at first I thought we we wanted that we were gonna do like three, just pick three out of all of this because I knew it was gonna be too hard. And then once we started listing actors and actresses, I was like, we just need to just list them, list all the ones we want to do. But I think what's really interesting is the three that I wanted to choose as my favorite overall from the decade were actually Django Unchained, Black Klansman, and Spider Verse. Oh, okay. And, and and I wanted to say that because I, I think it's really interesting that those were all black leads. Ah, that's what's up. Uh, for me, my best of the de like if I'm picking just three of the decade, I'm gonna go Black Klansman, Wolf of Wall Street, and oh man, this third one's tough. Uh, I'm gonna go Arrival, Arrival, Black Klansman, and Wolf of Wall Street. With Drive coming close, uh, Spider-Verse coming close, and Django coming close. All great movies. But I love sure. all of our choices. So yeah, many Yeah, there's so many good ones. So definitely tweet at us if we forgot something. Something that you thought was a great movie of the decade. And we will mention it in the next episode. Or of the year. Or of the year. Yeah. And if we left out an actress that you thought, or we left out an actor. I'm sure like, we did. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we did. And, and same thing with director. But... Those are the bros who binge awards. Well, that was a lot of fun. And, you know, you we... can get your we will we will mail out the big B's to all of the actors and directors and movies because <laughs> we don't give out a we don't give out a, a man statue. We're giving out big B's, <laughs> big B's, big silver, big B's, <laughs> not even gold. Because fuck gold. That's the Oscars. We giving out platinum bitches. <laughs> yeah. What's better than gold? Platinum. Yeah. Big B's platinum, big B's. 
All right, but that that wraps everything up for episode 70 of the Bros Who Binge podcast and also wraps up 2019 for us. So thank you for listening to us this year, and we hope that we can continue on talking about movies in 2020. Definitely a lot of fun things to come with uh, Pitch It, with movie movie reviews, some things that we want to try and do um, extracurricular besides the podcast. So a lot of fun things to come. Uh, especially when we come to your town from conventions. Yeah, man. Bros Who Binge is going on tour. 2020 is going to be lit. Uh, you can find me at LynnBWT on Twitter. Follow the Bros Who Think at Bros Who Think. Tuesday is the hashtag Anime Talk Awards. Big, big, big award show. We're going to be the Bros Who Think podcast is back on Thursday, uh, as well as primetime is going to be during out the week. But like Schubert said, Bros Who Binge is coming to do Comic Cons this year, live pods. Uh, the next pitch it match between Schubert and Justin will be more than likely episode 71 of the Bros Who Binge podcast. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else I'm forgetting. No need to tell you about the extracurricular activities of the network, but just be on the lookout. Follow us at Bros Who Think Podcast and be on the lookout. All of the updates and everything will be on the website, www.broswhothink.com, where you can find us on tour and everything for 2020. But just thank you, thank you for supporting us this year. We really, really appreciate it, and we hope to give you a even better year in 2020. I couldn't have said any better myself, Lyndon. So you can check me out on A-Schubert for, at ashubert 14 on Twitter and Instagram. And um, definitely check out everything that's going on. We now know uh, at this moment that the Saints are playing football this weekend, so we know our boy Charles is going to have something to say about that, as well as everything that's gone on with LSU. So make sure you check that out as well. And we got to um, get on Julian's ass this Thursday, brother. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm ready. Them Cowboys hey, we, didn't make the playoffs. Hey, if the fans want to go back, they can get on to all of us because all of us picked the Cowboys going pretty far in the playoffs. So. Look, look, look. You're right, but... Huh, we changed that tune. I picked the Eagles last, last week, bro. All, but last all, time the all I know is that I was about to get laughed off the pod for picking the Vikings to go to the playoffs. <laughs> but look who's in the playoffs. The freaking Vikings. Look who's and not I, in the playoffs. The Cowboys. And the Browns. Who, <laughs> lost, to, who lost to the Vikings? The Cowboys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Julian is hurt right now. We're going to get on his ass this Thursday. It is but, coming. It's it's coming, but anyway, yeah, definitely check us out everything going on, bros. Who think network, and keep checking us out in 2020. Every Monday, every, every Monday now. So every everybody, thank you for a great year. Uh, really fun bringing all of these movies to you from Shazam to Endgame to Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. We had a lot of fun bringing yeah, some of the great some year. of the best movies to you. So thanks again for listening. And I hope everyone has a really safe and fun New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. You don't know, drink and drive, you know. Don't drink, don't drink and drive. Make sure that you're you're ready to watch some good football on January first. And um, I hope everyone enjoys their time off if they if they do have that. So thank you everyone for listening. And as always, keep binging.